it's been way too long and I really miss you. Love you, buddy. I'll talk to you soon. Bye. Top fives and deep dives with Town and PTM. Top fives and deep dives with Town and PTM. Top fives and deep dives with Town and PTM. Top fives and deep dives with Town and PTM. My favorite director would have to be Martin Scorsese. Hey everyone, welcome to Top 5s and Deep Dives. This is Justin over here in LA. I've got my legendary co-host Mike over in London. What's up, my brother? Yo, how's it going, man? Good. How you doing today? You know, good. I mean, you'll be you'll be hearing this sometime in the future, but positive results in the Euro 2020, which is taking place in 2021, but they didn't change the name. So hey, feeling good. We love we love to hear that. I sadly I'm not feeling so good about results because my Netherlands are knocked out, but tough. Very tough. Sometimes things are tough. Fingers crossed they actually make the World Cup this this next round. This next this next go of the World Cup. But um we're here to talk movies. I was gonna say that was just an impossible segue for you. <laughs> <laughs> So today, uh, we have a topic that is definitely something I love. Top five movie twists. I fucking love a good twist. I gotta love a good twist. You gotta. There's there's really nothing like it. Just the fucking get the rug pulled right from under you. And your jaw drops to the floor. And you just go, well... God damn, that was a good twist. Yeah, it's it's one of the most, I guess, like sort of in your face things about movies that make you just go, damn, those clever fucking bastards. Yep. You know? I want to do something like that. It's just great. Though I did realize I'm a I'm a bit of a twist snob. Ooh. You know, I was thinking about twists and I realized that like not that I hate ones, you know, certain ones, but I'm just saying the ones that I really love. They're, they're few, actually few and far between. Okay. Wow. I'm very curious to get into this. Well, before we do, we got to talk about our spotlight of the week. So this week, our spotlight is the Fear Street movie series on Netflix. The first two parts are out. I believe by the time this episode airs, the third part will be out, but we are going to do a little review of Fear Street Part 1, 1994, and Part 2, 1978. Film trilogy, new to Netflix, uh, the final chapter, Fear Street Part 3, 1666, was released on July 16th. Mike, do you want to dive in first? I think I am I'm down with the concept. Um it's it's a cool idea and I'm happy to to watch all three parts. But overall I'm I I'm not enjoying it as much as it seems like some other people are. I am in the exact same boat as you. And I think it's a little bit different for each film, but I, I think if I had to sum it up, it's the the writing to me is just there's something off about it. Like I'm having I don't know, like coherent type issues. Like it seems like from moment to moment, 
even within a scene, it, it doesn't really flow very well. And I, and I just, it's just not clicking with me in the way that I kind of hoped it would. Brother, I, I could not agree more. I feel like for you and me, so many ingredients are there that should make this amazing. I feel like their villains, so to say, are in theory, like good and scary looking and like feel like they'd be awesome villains. The concept itself, like you said, sort of the way that these seemingly tie together and what they're going for. I I really like all that. I, I like that it's this, you know, town shady side in Ohio. I really like the bones of what they have here. But yeah, it's not clicking for me as a whole. And I've had a couple friends that have watched it that I liked it a little bit more than me. And I'm usually someone that fucking loves stuff that deals with sort of like the teen, like the teenagers. Like I like, I love shit. Like, uh, I mean really anything, but if we're just comparing, cause it's Netflix, I know it's not the same, but like a stranger things where it follows kids. I love stuff like that. But part one is definitely stranger things. E like it's clearly pulling from something similar, right? It is obviously a lot more violent and R rated, but like, Yes, the the actual interactions between the kids, they're definitely pulling there a bit. And it's like, it wasn't connecting for me. Like, I don't know. The characters just were not special to me. Like, none no, of... I, no, I completely agree, man. Completely yeah. Agree. Like, the, the, like, if you take a Stranger Things, because again, it will be compared to a degree. All of the characters in that show are very memorable. They each are distinct. There's reasons you love them all. There's no character in this that I love or am really rooting for outside of the fact that they're technically the good guys. Yeah, I mean, I I felt that way about the characters, especially in the first part. You know, I saw a lot of stuff online about how people were praising sort of the the representation Mm -hmm. um, that was in it. And that's great, obviously. But I, I don't think it was I don't get much beyond that. You know, there just wasn't much depth to them, I felt. And there was, I don't know, some weird choices. Like the first one, like they basically tell you in 10 minutes within the first film, like what's going on. Mm-hmm. I don't know why they just like lost the mystery. They didn't want to play it that way. And then the whole first film is sort of like, it's chasing like a technicality, basically, about a supernatural horror film. And you're like, why are they doing this? Like, this is a this doesn't make any sense. And the second one, the story was tighter i think but it's also because it's a story you've seen hundreds of times right it's supposed to be like a friday the 13th thing so while i thought that was maybe a tighter story it was also like less original and and both of them kind of ended up just a little bit short of what i was hoping for i i really could not agree more i feel like we had the exact same opinion on these but I'm definitely going to watch the third part. Same, I think the same. third part has potential because it's the origin. It has potential to be the most interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and again, it seems like people are enjoying it. I think as of as of this recording, the second part is um, getting a little bit higher reviews. But a lot of people seem to be tuning in. And, you know, three-part horror spectacular bring them on yeah part two being at the camp and everything i did really i did like that i liked the setting and whatnot again the characters didn't grip me that much but 
I want to like these so much because it's truly know, all these things that I like and and even based on R.L. Stein books and I love R.L. Stein like it's it's tough but yeah we'll we'll be tuning in for the third and I do highly recommend anyone who likes horror to give it a shot at the very least and we should say leading into our topic part two does end with a bit of a twist what a segue into our episode and just before we get into movie twists if you haven't checked out our patreon yet you can find a link to it in our social media profiles you get a lot of bonus content we've having a lot of fun with it and we'd love if you came on the ride with us if you'd like to contribute instead in a way that costs zero money you can go on Apple Podcasts. You can leave us a five-star review. It takes about 15 seconds. Really helps us out to get noticed. We really appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Let's get to movie twists. Mike, I'm pumped up about this. Me too. Me too. You know, I just said like three minutes ago that there's actually only a few that I love, but that's not true at all. There's, <laughs> there's a lot that I love, but there's... I came up with about seven that I like absolutely am over the moon about. So very tough to pare down to five, but the honorables, you know, we'll try to keep it short, but it could get lengthy today. A lot of good twists. A lot there. of good twists. I, I honestly think that we're just going to have to dive into this. Let's let's yeah, let's fucking do it. All right. Let's fucking rock. Um, I think I'm first today. Does that sound right? Yeah, sure. Go for it. All right, I'm just going to kick us off right up, right off the bat with a classic. Probably, I don't know about the first twist I ever saw, but definitely one of them. One of the first that sticks out, probably one of the more famous ones. And that would have to be the 1999 film, The Sixth Sense. It's a classic. Absolute classic. So if you're unfamiliar, it's like a psychological thriller M. Night Shyamalan, Bruce Willis, he plays a child psychologist and his patient, who's played by a young Haley Joel Osment, he can talk to the dead and it goes from there. Of course, very popular film from the 90s. And if you, I'm sure you know this, but if you're listening to this episode, we're going to be spoiling all these twists. So the twist, of course, at the end of the movie is that Bruce Willis is, in fact, one of the dead people and has been the whole movie. It, it was, I'll never forget it because, I mean, at that point, I was probably a just turned 10 when this came out. I believe saw it in the movie theater. And, I mean, as a little kid, maybe I'd been exposed to a couple twists before. I won't drop any of them just in case they end up on on Mike's list later. But this was the first one in a film that I was watching in the theater, like as it came out, and everyone just just fucking shocked. And it's to this day, it's like people still in 2021 will drop something about like, you know, I see dead people or like the, the twist in the sixth sense. It's a, it's a big one. It's a big boy. I'd say I'm maybe less passionate about it than the rest of my list, but I had to include it because I think it's such a good one. And it was one of the OGs for me. You know, what's really interesting about this is I'm not sure how well 
because it was such a big movie. I'm just not sure how well this would work today because people really did a, a pretty solid job of not spoiling it. And I just think now, like, too many people will be talking about it on the internet. So true. Because social media, yeah. Twitter. Yeah, exactly. I just think, yeah, it was it was cool that people were really letting it go. But yeah, this is a good one. Definitely, definitely passes the test for me because while I'd rewatch, it's super, super obvious. But really, you didn't get it in the moment. So I think that's that. That's the right idea for a twist, right? You want it to be sort of under your nose the entire time, and then just be like, wow. And then you can rewatch the movie and you're just like, how did I not realize this? Yeah, exactly. Also always think about super mash bros. When we talk about the sixth sense, because they have that song, Bruce Willis was dead the whole time. <laughs> oh on, uh, what's that? I'm all about the Skrillians. Shout out super mash Shout bros. Out super mash bros. Our favorite artist to listen to in college. Such a funny, um, yeah, such a funny song name. Can I just assume that you don't have any other Shyamalan on your list? I don't. Okay, so I, I swore off Shyamalan for like the last decade, but then uh, I think we talked about it with Casey that I watched Servant, and I thought that was pretty solid. So I did give him a little bit of a chance um, on this, and I watched The Visit. Have you ever seen The Visit? You know what? That's one of the few I haven't seen, and I've heard that I think I was told that I need to because it's so bad. Am I, is that Correct. No, it's it's pretty solid, I think. Okay. I think it's pretty solid. And oh, the twist wait. is also oh, no. pretty obvious, but it's all right. I am I was thinking of a different movie. I was thinking of The Happening with Mark Wahlberg. Oh, that's that's like like one of the worst movies ever. Like that's one that's like you should watch because it's so bad. It's like Yeah. The Visit I actually have meant to see and haven't and also heard like you said to me just now that it's pretty good. Not on my list, but a, a pleasurable twist okay. in film overall. I'd say for him the one other twist I'd probably shout, I, I like the village twist. That's, yeah, that's just un, un, undefendable in any way, really. It's terrible. But that's, <laughs> no, I'm just, I'm, a, I'm such a Shyamalan hater, but I guess I do need to go see Split, right? I think Split is supposed to be good. Yeah. So. See, I was a hater of most films, including The Village. And then I rewatched The Village a couple years ago and I, I actually came around on it a bit. All right. Well, I, I don't really think it works. But anyway. I, I think overall the village is okay until the twist. So, yeah, okay. we're not going to see eye out on Shyamalan. No, no, no. But Sixth Sense, we can see eye to eye on, and I appreciate. But yeah, that. it's. I'm glad we had a little Shyamalan talk. Yeah. Sixth Sense, classic, all time, one of the all time greats for sure. Sorry if we spoiled it for you somehow. <laughs> uh, not sorry, not sorry not at sorry. all. To be honest. All right, my number five. I'm going to 2006. And that is the film Inside Man. Ooh. Directed by Spike Lee. Yeah. And I just think, I think this is a great fucking heist movie. So it's, you know, it's basically, you know, Denzel is sort of like the negotiator. Clive Owen and, and Squad are the people robbing the bank. And then there's a whole kind of subplot with uh, Jodie Foster and Christopher Plummer. Also, I forgot that Willem Dafoe was in this movie. Like, he's just, what a fucking guy. But, um, yeah, basically they they do this heist and no one really knows what was stolen and you know what's what's what ultimately leads to the twist is that Clive Owen you know barricaded himself inside the bank and he never actually left the bank and only like weeks later does he walk out you know obviously completely um you know unassuming no one realizes that it's him he just walks out he says in the very beginning that he's just going to walk out the front door and no one's going to stop him the name of the film is Inside Man, so you should see this twist coming. Mm -hmm. um, 
but you still don't. And it really takes a movie that's, you know, very, it's good movie, solid overall, but takes it kind of to that next level um, beyond just sort of your average, average bank heist film. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, that's my number five twist inside man. I cannot believe I, I did not think of this and this is a great one and such a great movie. Yeah. And it's definitely twists work great. I think in heist movies, because you're like, we were saying, you know, twists, it's all about like sort of how clever the filmmakers are. And that's the joy of heist movies too, right? Is how clever they are in pulling off the heist. So it's a great one to throw a twist, much like horror as you already went to. Um, and yeah, this, this makes it into a, a very memorable film for me and obviously different type of stuff for Spike Lee, but that's kind of how his, how his career goes, right? It, it is indeed. And and for me, honestly, one of my favorite films is. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, these things, you know, the films that are sort of his vision, right? They're, they can be heavy for sure. Um, and then when he just takes these assignments, he's obviously, obviously a, a very capable filmmaker. And this is just such a fun, fun story. Mm-hmm. Also, I'll say that this this guy, I think this is the first, this guy, Russell Gerwitz, who wrote the movie, I think this is the first movie he ever wrote. Um, and he really hasn't done much since. I think he's a, he was a lawyer. And he just like came up with the idea and wrote a screenplay for the first time ever, which is pretty cool. Wow. I didn't know that at all. That's very cool. All right. Here's with number four. Okay. So my number four, a little bit of a wild card, I'd say. Ooh, I love it. It's the 2014 film Rudderless. Oh, I haven't seen this. Shit. Well, plug your it's ears, okay. my friend. We're here. We're in the, we're in the box. So, Rudderless, it's, it's the directorial debut, William H. Macy. I'm, I'm a big fan of this film. A bit of an in, It's an indie film. Came out on a small number of theaters. Not very well known absolute masterpiece in my eyes just just one of my favorite movies of the past decade billy crudup's the lead it's also got anton yelchin who as we know unfortunately isn't with us anymore william h macy plays a plays a small part in it but the long long and the short of what the plot's about is billy crudup's son dies in a school shooting uh at his college and he had he was a musician and he had all these amazing recordings and so i think it's like a year later or something and billy crudup goes through some of the stuff that he had and he finds the recordings and these songs and he ends up like he's he's like a drunk living on a boat at this point he had been like this big businessman so he ends up learning how to play the songs starts playing them at this open bar and Anton Yelchin, who's an aspiring like local musician, thinks the songs are amazing. They start a band together with these songs, and it goes from there. The twist, which I think is one of like the more interesting twists in film in a film, is so there's a lot of like it's very heavy, like, you know, Billy Crudup and then his estranged wife. They obviously there's a lot of grief that comes with, you know, losing a kid in a school shooting and about probably two thirds into the film, they go to visit their son's grave and there's spray paint all over it, calling him a killer because he was the school shooter. Fuck. 
very heavy and you realize that this is like this is a film for unfortunately the small group of people in this world that are, have been parents you know parents that maybe were normal parents to someone that did something like you know take part in a school shooting and, and the grief that comes with with losing your kid who you loved yet they did something that was so awful and it's it's just such a different angle i feel like that we've never really seen and it's i mean billy crudup just gives a gives a fucking incredible performance throughout the whole thing some people didn't like the twist i think because maybe it was a little too heavy for for i don't know maybe a certain person and and i feel like the the only negative reviews it did get were people that didn't like that i actually thought it added to the film a lot and made it something that we've ne- that we've never seen before and i mean watch this movie and don't shed a tear uh, you're not human if if you don't it's it's so good Lawrence fishburns in it too it's it's really good there is off the top of my head i would say there is have you seen we need to talk about kevin that's another one that's similar. Ooh, you know what? I haven't seen that, and I've meant to see that. But it's it's less. I mean, it's less twisty. But but anyway, yeah. This is that's. I'll definitely see that because that's. That doesn't sound like the twist is going to really ruin the movie. No, it doesn't. It's just when you don't know it, it is like a shock to the city. You're yeah, like, yeah. Whoa! Sure. Like they did a really good job. It. It's another twist, not as on the nose, but it's like Sixth Sense, and that once you know it a hundred percent makes sense. Cause there's like all of the news reporters like have like at when it first happens are like trying to talk to Billy Crudup's character. And you're like, why the fuck are they like hounding him and like staying outside of his house? Like there's just, there's certain things that it makes a lot more sense that the yeah. son was the shooter than a victim when once you know, right. right, right. But yeah, you got to check Damn. it out. If you haven't seen this film, this doesn't ruin the movie. It's it, the original music in it is incredible. That definitely sounds legit. And I know you've recommended it to me before. I have to I'll have to watch it soon for sure. It's very good. Very good. Maybe yeah. a top five catch up. Hey. On Patreon. I think it should be. We'll find out. Okay. Well, my number four actually is another one where the twist will not ruin the film because we we may not even agree what the twist is. Oh. It's one of those twists. Oh, boy. So this is going to start off like a mic pick, but then end up normal. So bear with me. Uh, because we're going to 1940. But it's it's Hitchcock, so we're pretty mainstream. This is Rebecca. Have you seen Rebecca or the remake of Rebecca? Like no. Years ago? Okay. Uh, so Rebecca is all about um, the main guy is played by Laurence Olivier. And he his wife has died. Um, her name was Rebecca. And he gets a new wife, played by Joan Fontaine. And it's really all about how the new wife can't seem to live up to the image and the memory of the old wife. And the only other real important character is the the housekeeper, whose character name is Mrs. Danvers. So she is absolutely, like, she's really mean to the new wife and keeps kind of driving home this narrative um, that Joan Fontaine just can't live up to, to to what Rebecca was. So the thing about this movie is that there's there's a lot of twists and turns. So we find out that Rebecca died 
in like say like a boating accident mm-hmm. um then we find out actually she was murdered uh then we find out actually she was murdered by her husband Lawrence Olivia Jesus Christ then we find out she pretty much asked like she tried to tempt Lawrence Olivier into murdering her by saying that she was pregnant with another guy's baby. And all of that is still not really the twist for me, at least. What's the twist? That is twist. The twist is that, and it's 1940. So it's very hard to tell what is sort of intentional and what you kind of read into it. And that's where I think it's interesting. Um, and we'll have to see what you guys think when you see it, if you haven't seen it um, about the twist, which is that, at the very least, it would appear that Mrs. Danvers, the housekeeper, was in love with Rebecca. And what you cannot show on the screen in 1940 is any type of like gay or lesbian relationship, basically, because of the, the, the Hayes Code. So I believe that what we find out at the end, and I won't exactly explain how, but I believe you find out at the end that Rebecca was sort of in a relationship with the housekeeper. Or you could take it as Rebecca kind of manipulated the housekeeper into thinking that they were in a relationship. But that, for me, is the twist. Out of all of this, there's a secret, so secret you can't even show it on film, lesbian relationship between Rebecca and the housekeeper. Jesus Christ. And it's 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 wild because it's it doesn't have exactly the same impact um, as it would in 1940, because it's totally normal, obviously, to depict those type of relationships in film. But it does still have the same weight in another sense, because you're like, holy shit, like Hitchcock is hiding this little gem in the movie because he was basically explicitly told that he can't show it. Um, and this is, you know, 1940. It's, it's quite quite some time ago. So it's even though I'm kind of telling you what the subtext is, it's still a really cool film. The first half, like the romance side, is is excellent. And the second half, the kind of investigation side. Okay, I've told you where that goes. But you should really watch it anyway and see what you think of this interpretation and, and how much you buy into kind of what's happening behind the scenes. There's like five twists in this movie. So many twists. Hitchcock is, a, I mean, he's master of suspense. He is a right? master. I need to watch this one. I haven't, I've seen a lot of Hitchcock, but I haven't seen this. Definitely, definitely watch it. Really cool film. Okay, I'm going to. All right. My number three is 2010's Shutter Island. Oh, nice. This is probably the most, well, no, Rudderless was the most recent, but for big twists, like sort of the way that I typically think of them in like a mystery type film, this is probably the last big one that, just fucking shook me in the theater. I it shook me so much. I, I went back. I went on opening night and then I went back the next night and saw it again in theaters because I was like, I need to watch this again to look at all the clues. So Shutter Island, Martin Scorsese film, uh, Leonardo DiCaprio is the main character. Um, it takes place in 1954. And the the general plot is... Leo plays Teddy Daniels, who is a U.S. Marshal investigating the disappearance of a murderer who escaped from a hospital for the criminally insane on this small island 
off of uh, what is it off of Boston, I believe. I think so. Yeah. Um, but it's also got Mark Ruffalo plays uh, his partner. You've got Ben Kingsley in there, uh, Michelle Williams, Max von Sydow, Jackie Earl Haley. There's there's a nice little cast in there, and what happens is Leo and Mark Ruffalo, they're going throughout the island. They get stuck on the island because there's this storm. All these things keep happening, and in the the final act, you find out that Leo is in fact the missing patient and this entire film that we've watched him being this u.s marshal ruffalo being his partner it's been this very intricate game that has been set up by the hospital ruffalo's a doctor there to see if they could cure his real name's andrew andrew of what has happened of, of his the insanity that has come over him and we find out through that that the reason he's in there is he ended up killing his wife after she went completely insane and murdered their children very dark but just you're wondering the whole film where everything's going to end up and and this is one of those similar to sixth sense where when you rewatch it you're like how the fuck did i not realize this like so many moments where things are done that it makes all the sense in the world that he is a patient and that other people, everyone there knows what's going on. And there's other people that seem nervous in certain scenes or certain questions are answered in certain ways that it just, it should have been obvious. I love Leo. I love Scorsese. And this one just hits the fucking spot for me. Okay, so solid film. Uh, obviously, we we talked about it a bit on Scorsese episode. Go back and listen to that as well. Um, for me, this twist was a little bit too obvious. It's a little bit too in your face. Ah, so you figured it out. I mean, you don't know about you know where things are going with his wife and his kids, obviously, but like, it's it's too much. I wish it was a little bit more restrained because he's the way that he's acting. After like 45 minutes, you realize kind of maybe not totally, but you do realize that like something's not quite right with him. Maybe maybe you don't. I mean, I think maybe if, if you didn't, then fair enough. But I, I think that especially since I rewatched it lately, like you said, it's hard to tell because once you've already seen it, you can't really put yeah, yourself. I think you know then. Yeah, you can't. You sort of put yourself there. But I think it's a little bit two out there i do remember when seeing it in theaters that i was like he's acting maybe a little like overboard once you get there at the same time maybe my just blind never-ending love for leo i was just like oh no no if leo's doing it it makes sense it makes sense that could be yeah but still a solid film and we like we talked about i i like that that scorsese made this film it's it's a cool idea um it's still you know it still works whether you know or not. It still totally works as a film. So absolutely go watch it. I love it. What's, what's, what's your number three, my friend? Well, it's that time in the pod where I'm going to cheat a little bit. Fucking guy. This guy first, he fucking talks shit about Shutter Island's <laughs> twist. Now he's going to cheat. Now he's going to cheat. I'm going to cheat. I'm going to cheat. Uh, so I will, first of all, I will one-up your, your rudder list with the newest pick on the list. 
and that is 2019's Us. Oh, okay. The Jordan Peele film with Lupita Nyong'o um, and Elizabeth Moss, who's epic in this. Wow, how to describe this film. So yeah, so basically, there's a long way of how we get here, but effectively, we find out that there is a society of doppelgangers who like one for every single person on earth who live sort of underneath um, America and they rise up and start killing people and taking over, I guess you quote real America. And there's this kind of this whole drawn out process and people are getting killed and they're, they're trying to escape as a family. And we find out at the end of the film that Lupita Nyong'o's character that we've known the entire film actually sort of switched with her underground doppelganger when she was a small child and has been raised as the real uh, Lupita and, and her other one has been living sort of underneath with this other society. Yeah, this is a solid twist. Very cool twist. And it's there's a lot connected to the way that her character speaks, which is like completely right in your face the entire time. Like you just sort of assume she's doing it because it's this weird... You know, it's just like, I don't want to say like sewer people, but like that's the whole idea. They just came up out of the earth and started murdering people and they're not all exactly say like perfect. Um, so we think it's just part of her like voice that she has a creepy, I mean, her part of her character that she has a creepy voice, but actually it has to do with how bringing you all the way back to the very beginning of the film, kind of what happened there. Mm-hmm. Uh, very solid twist, but not as good of a film as 2017's Get Out. This fucking guy. Which I'm 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 cheating with two films in two years by the same filmmaker. I'm counting it. And the thing with the thing is with Get Out is that it's a better film, but I'm very curious what you think about the the twist. Because for me, like I feel like you like you obviously know some shit is going down mm-hmm. in Get Out and it's more like solving the mystery than like it being a huge twist. But I do think the fact that Allison Williams character is in on it the entire time was a twist that definitely hits hard. A hundred percent. I mean, and first of all, agree get out is the better movie. No question. Both good movies, but get out's like fucking amazing. Us is like a good movie. Get out is a top tier, incredible movie. Yes. Oh my God. Yeah. The fact that she was in on it the whole time is definitely a twist and definitely but the rest me. of it is the rest of it a twist what that the that the that the family like is what they're doing inhabiting the yeah 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 no not a, not exactly, really right? it's i don't think it's like assume that you should know but like you should sort of gather what's going on yeah and you know some weird shit is happening yeah it's just revealing what is happening exactly yes more than a twist. and her involvement is definitely a twist that makes you go holy shit and that's another one where you go back and watch it and literally every single thing she says was like a double meaning that totally makes sense now that you know sort of her real intentions yeah. just a genius bit of film a hundred percent i'll never forget the first time seeing this movie and this yeah this was an honorable mention for me just such a fucking great Ah, yeah. what a great movie. Okay, so number three, real pick is Us. Side pick, wanted to talk about Get Out. We'll allow it. We'll allow it, you fucking cheater. I, I, I wear that proudly. Uh, all right, number two. So my, my top two are just, I, I love both of these twists so dearly, I, I can't even tell you. So, But I will tell you right now. 
So my number two pick, 1995's Seven. So Seven stars Brad Pitt and Morgan Freeman and Kevin Spacey. It's a thriller directed by David Fincher. Brad Pitt plays a detective, David Mills. He's partners with Morgan Freeman's character, who's William Somerset. Um, and they, they partner up to track down a serial killer who's using the seven deadly sins as, as like a motif uh, in each of his murders. And so the twist, Kevin Spacey is the serial killer. They have him at the end, and he says that he's going to take them to the final two bodies. And he's having this very, you know, interesting chat with them the whole way there. He brings them, they're out like in this, in this field, this very remote location. And Morgan Freeman's character, Somerset, he's, they see a delivery van approaching. And so he goes to the, to go to the driver while Brad Pitt's character holds Kevin Spacey at gunpoint. And the driver has a box. What's in the box, Dan? What's in the fucking box? If, if, if you've seen so many, there's been so many pop culture references to this. And what is in the box? Brad Pitt's wife is played by Gwyneth Paltrow. And her fucking head is in the box. Yikes. You hate to see that. To me, one of the all-time twists. I mean, I love a good murder mystery type thriller film. And just the way that this is set up, there's so much tension. The look on Morgan Freeman's face when he opens the box and we can, you know, then see Kevin Spacey start to reveal what is going to be in the box and realizing that the final two bodies he's talking about is Gwyneth Paltrow's body and his own body because he wants to complete the cycle with the seven deadly sins with Brad Pitt killing him, taking the role of wrath. And so in the end, Brad Pitt, he, they sort of make us think for a moment, but he ends up killing him and the bad guy in a sense wins. It's, it's a fucking heavy ending. Yeah. I mean, obviously a great film, uh, great, great twist, uh, great characters all around. Um, obviously, with Kevin Spacey, you could sort of read more into this than maybe you intended. But <laughs> you know what's really funny about this movie is I won't say exactly the name because I may talk about it on a future episode, but I was watching another thriller from sort of the late 90s mm-hmm. recently. And you know how every movie for like, well, still now today, but for like said 10 years after Pulp Fiction was trying to be Pulp Fiction? Yeah. Every thriller after Seven was trying to be Seven. I was like, oh, this is just like a bad version of Seven. Yeah. And I've seen this like 10 fucking times. Like every 90s thriller after this was Seven. I mean, it's just totally... And thrillers were huge. You know, we've talked about it a little bit, but thrillers were huge in the 90s and it's just completely shifted the genre. Yep. This is this is this was the thriller of, of the time. And even... What's that movie that we talked about with Denzel and Jared Leto? Oh, uh, uh, the little things. The little thing. I mean, even the little things. You're like, oh, this is clearly influenced by seven. Yep, like a hundred percent. Still see it to this day. Going out to the deserted area. 
Yeah, with like the crazy killer who like kind of is winning mm-hmm. by playing the mind game. I mean, it's like, it, yeah. What a, what a film! What an influential what film! What a fucking film! One of my one of my one of my favorites. One of my favorites. Um, well, speaking of legends, my number two. I'm a little bit concerned that this could be your number one. It feels like one would be high for you, but okay, I'm just gonna go for it. Mine is 2000s Memento. Wow, it's not my number one. It's a great one. Oh, it's in my honorable okay. mentions. Poof. Okay. Directed by some guy, Christopher Nolan. I don't know if he's made any other films, but I bet they're trash. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, just, I'm, just I'm just excited you have a Nolan film on your list. Oh, I'm just kidding. I don't. <laughs> God. I don't actually hate Christopher Nolan. I'm sorry. I have to rewatch The Dark Knight. That's all. Okay. Moving on. <laughs> Memento. Uh, Memento is a film about a guy, Guy Pierce, who has a short term memory loss and he. Um, is on this quest to find whoever raped and killed his wife. Um, and basically is kind of being helped along by Joe Pantoliano, who I feel like we talk about every podcast now. What a legend. Legend. Who is a cop that's sort of like, yeah, helping him along, like along this path. And what's great about this twist is because it, it you get something from it, but also it doesn't completely solve the movie. And we can still talk about sort of what the rest means because at the end we find out that actually Guy Pierce uh, himself is the one that killed his wife, but he knowing what he's is and isn't going to remember, he kind of sets it up so that let's say in memento two, so to speak, he is just going to track down Joe Pantoliano's character as if he's the one that killed his wife and sort of continue this cycle that he's done several times now of finding someone that ultimately isn't the right person because it was him. But because of the nature of the film, we know that we can't trust what Guy Pierce is saying. He doesn't remember anything beyond like 15 minutes or so. Mm -hmm. So even though we seem to take that at face value, it doesn't exactly explain everything else about the film, which is what makes the twist so cool and so unique. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's such a great movie. Like, I don't want to know if I want to say one of a kind, because obviously a couple films have tried to do something somewhat similar, but it sort of is a one of a kind film. Even even beyond, say, the story, you know, the way the plot works with kind of two separate storylines mm-hmm. going backwards or no, converging in sort of the middle, let's say one going forward, one going backwards is it's a really, really cool way to tell the story. Yes. And a very, you know, it's very early Nolan and it's it's just such a shows what a force he's about to become in the film industry. Love that pick. Love that that's on your list. I'm glad it wasn't number one for you. I was definitely worried. Yeah, no, I it's it, it's definitely was considered, but I ended up keeping it in the honorables. And I'm so happy you brought it up because I feel like that's a really big one. And just like that, we're at number one, my friend. And we are definitely not going to have the same number one. So no crossovers this this app. So that means Mike's is going to be from like 1930. Um, <laughs> let's, uh, <laughs> mine on the other hand, it's from 2004, my favorite twist of all time, Saw, the original Saw. Oh, oh, nice. Okay. I was literally like 2004. What is that? Yeah. What? What yeah, could it be? I mean, Saw. 
fucking saw. Wow. Fucking saw. I will never forget seeing this in theaters for the first time. I'll never forget every time I ever showed a friend that had never seen this, the film, they literally were scream like freaking out at the end. Talking about being right in front of your face the whole time. Right the whole time. So if you don't know the plot of Saw, directed by James Wan, starring uh, Carrie Elwes. How do you say that again? I always fuck that up. Carrie Elwes. Yeah, we'll go with that. We'll go with that. Uh, Danny Glover. Michael Emerson. A little lost right there. Tobin Bell, who who plays Jigsaw. The general plot of the film is these two guys, their names are Adam and Gordon, and they're trapped in this crazy sort of basement dungeon, like really shitty looking room. There's a dead body in between them. And there's all these little tapes that are playing these different things that they have to do if they want to live. And so the twist is at the very end of the film, after everything they've gone through, and we thought we knew who the killer was we don't we find out because the one guy still in the room adam as the final tape plays the dead body in the middle of the room just stands the fuck up and we find out that that is the real jigsaw and he just walks to the door and looks back and just says game over shuts the door and the film ends holy fuck i think the first time i showed zach or emil this back in college and they like lost their shit yeah it's insane and at that time you know adam is going to be locked in there basically forever Forever. he's going to die in there and gordon has has cut off his own foot and is going to bleed out yes so neither of them is going to survive or pass jigsaw's first test just insane yeah, incredible. And and yeah, we spoke about my my saw saw two is in my movie theater experiences. If you want to listen to that episode, just the first two, the twists are absolutely incredible. Yes, and obviously they drop off from there. And I I don't know where the franchise is today. I didn't go. See yeah, it. I like three. I like three too, but I don't. I'm 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 not on board after three. Definitely saw three, but I'm having trouble placing it. Oh yes, yes. Now I remember. Okay, yeah, three's all right. But there's like six now or seven. I don't even know. Something, something crazy. But the first one's incredible. The second one is is really just as good in a lot of ways. Um, so definitely don't sleep on this franchise if you haven't seen them. Just insane, and one of the one of the greatest twists ever. I'm very pleased that your number one is horror, obviously. Um, and as should be expected, mine is as well. Oh, baby! It's not sought to. <laughs> um, <laughs> it is. 1973's The Wicker Man. Wow. Interesting. Okay. I Just to be clear, I'm saying 1973, not that remake with Nicolas Cage. Don't, <laughs> don't see that. Big big fan of Nicolas Cage, but don't see that. But film. if you want to laugh, you should see it. If you look at it as a comedy. Not the bees. Yeah, that's... Okay, anyway. Wicker Man, 1973. Amazing horror film. British film, for what it's worth. So basically, um, Edward Woodward is a cop, and he is called or sent, let's say, to this you know kind of remote private island somewhere off the coast of Scotland, um, where Christopher Lee, R.I.P. horror legend, 
basically owns the island and he has like a society there of, you know, seemingly kind of normal people, but it is privately owned. And Edward Woodward is sent there to, um, cause he's alerted about a missing girl. And when he gets there, everyone's like, no, we don't know who that is. Like, this is a small Island. We've never heard of her. Like, what are you talking about? And basically for an hour, they keep sort of misleading and misdirecting and, and, and just giving these strange answers to Edward Woodward as he basically finds out that they're like kind of a pagan fertility sex cult place, which very much upsets his Christian sensibilities. And it all leads to this big celebration, which is for May Day. You know, it's like a harvest sort of thing. And Edward Woodward, he basically like knocks out a guy and takes his place in costume so that he can be a part of the parade that's happening on May Day where he thinks that they're going to sacrifice this missing girl that he's been searching for. Uh, Well, sure enough, end of the parade, there's the missing girl. He throws off his costume. He gets the missing girl and she's like, help, help, help. You know, I've been kidnapped. They're going to sacrifice me, blah, blah, blah. And she kind of leads him through this like tunnel and out at the other end is everybody else in the town. And basically, you realize, they, they tell him that actually they made up the entire thing about what was happening. Everyone in the town got together to, to kind of summon this guy to the town. Specifically, this guy, they picked him out, knowing that he was a virgin because he's Christian, doesn't have sex before marriage. And he is the one that's going to be sacrificed in this wicker man. Uh, and he's, he's burnt, burnt to death in this massive... Uh, structure as a sacrifice to their uh, pagan gods, which are effectively made up, but that's not really key to the story. So fucked up. So fucked up uh, and in the best way possible. And I just I just absolutely love this film. It's it's definitely my favorite twist. It's, it's really one of my favorite films. Um, the quintessential like folk horror film. And I think what's... I watched it again this week, and, I, and I, what always kind of gets me is that like you're not... It's it's really subversive in who you're rooting for because like there's nothing okay, the people on the island are a little bit weird, obviously, but like they're not they're not they haven't hurt anybody. They're not being like outwardly mean, they're not abusing people, like they haven't but actually they're acting done fucking wrong. weird, bro. They're acting weird, but like they're not it also is like this guy is just sort of like a prude and you're like, All right, man, relax. Like they haven't like, done go anything have, wrong. Go have some sex, bro. Yeah, go have some sex. And like this girl who, you know, effectively has sex with everybody. That's like her role in society is like, hey, do you want to fuck? And he's like, no, I don't fuck. And she's like, all right, well, you're lost. You're weird. You know, I know it's fucked up. If you just had sex with her, you'd probably still be alive. Shit. Be alive. They, they specifically needed a virgin. Yeah. If he just cheated on his wife, he would be alive today. <sighs> and that's what's like so crazy and subversive. Obviously, you know, in horror films, typically, you know, Having sex, especially in slasher, is what sentences you to death. And here, not having sex is what sentences him to death. The, the so, Wicker Man really just makes a point that I think we really need to lean into, which is sex is good for your kids. Sex is good. Everybody do it. Don't be weird about it. Don't be all like Victorian and shit. Yeah, You're just fucking do it. Not where I expected this pod to go, but hey, <laughs> we're definitely a sex positive podcast. Yeah, 100%. we love sex. We love sex and we love movie twists. Boom. Boom. Wickerman. What a number one. What a number uh, one. Sh- should we? Should I just recap real quick? Let's do it. I am Inside Man, Rebecca, Get Out, Slash Us, Memento, and the Wickerman. 
And I am at number five, The Sixth Sense, Rudderless, Shutter Island, Seven, and at number one, Saw. Honorable mentions. I'm just going to fire off a few. So obviously I have Empire Strikes Back in there. Um, Classic twist. Darth Vader being Luke's father. I have the OG 1968 Planet of the Apes. It was Earth. It was Earth. It was fucking Earth. Um, (laughs) I have Usual Suspects. Another, another, you know, another Kevin Kevin Spacey Spacey in there. Yikes. And I have uh, Fight Club, where, of course, Tyler Durden is, in fact, Edward Norton's character. That's it for me. Okay. Uh, I think the one that was closest to hitting my list was Lucky Number Slevin. Oh, you know what? That was on my list. I didn't even. That's right there at the end. It's a great one. Um, Old Boy. Super fucked up film, but wow, definitely one. That is that. a fucking good one as well. Um, one that doesn't get talked a lot is the score with Edward Norton. Uh, that's that's got an interesting ending to it. And the last one that I will call out also has Kevin Spacey in it. This this is not this is not good. My God. But that is the life of David Gale. Oh yeah. I, the thing about this movie is that. It has a Rotten Tomato score of 19% and an audience score of 81%. Which is just insane. And it's really, you know, it's really well regarded on whatever review site you're looking at, IMDb or whatever. It has high rankings. So people seem to gravitate to it. And I definitely did when I was a kid. Um, it's a little bit inelegant in how it sort of presents its argument, but it's one that I think you should watch just because it's so wildly different scores in what people think and what critics think. So maybe you'll like it, maybe you won't. Yeah, I think, I mean, that's an unfair rating, 19%. That's, that's low. Yeah, I, I agree. That is, that is definitely low. But, but, you know, obviously we didn't do this on purpose. But I will say Life of David Gale is all about Kevin Spacey effectively being convicted for something he didn't do, which is like rape and murder somebody. So, you know, yeah, it's, un- it's going to be uncomfortable. Let's just put it that way. It's going to be uncomfortable to watch it now. Well... With that, just great way to end it. Yikes! <laughs> you know what we will. You know what Mike will say as our final honorable mention. We'll we'll say it as a joint thing because it goes back to a previous pod episode. How could we not say malice? Malice! Oh my God! Malice. So many twists! So many twists! So many twists! Maybe the most Absolutely ridiculous watch twist. Malice. Watch malice. Um, this has been a fun. This has been very fun. So we hope you know you've seen some of these movies. Even though we've fucking spoiled the twists, if you haven't seen some of these, get on them. And, you know, we love movie twists. You love movie twists. We love you guys. You know how to find us. We want to hear your favorite movie twists. Top Fives and Deep Dives on Instagram. Top Dives on Twitter. You can email us at topfivesanddeepdives at gmail.com. And uh, we'll see you next week. We love you guys. Peace. Top Fives and Deep Dives without a PTM. Top